0: A special edition of the Denver Stiff show. I am your host Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Friday night currently and we are podcasting after the first game back from the All-Star break. The Nuggets drop what was a close one that ended up not being so close at the end. They drop a game on the road, 113 to 101 against the Oklahoma City Thunder. There were a lot there was a lot of stuff down the stretch that we'll talk about. There are some major rotation questions that we will talk about. To help me break it all down, I have two special guests on with me. First one, Deputy Editor Zach Mikosh. Zach, how are you doing, man?
1: I am doing well. Happy to be back on the Denver Stiff Show. It's been a bit since I've been on the Stiff Show. It has been a bit, and we, we haven't been able to
0: connect, and that's that's probably my fault in all honesty. I'm, I'm terrible at yeah. that lots of stuff going on it's a busy season but that's that's uh that's no excuse so we we will we will you keep know, I'm it gonna, going if
1: it, it, i'm gonna start to think it might be ages of, uh, <laughs> you know, one of the elder states oh yeah that's that's probably
0: true honestly uh we don't like having you <laughs> old folks around uh <laughs> no that's that's that is not true uh Also, with us is our super writer, podcaster extraordinaire, Nick Herzog. Nick, how are you doing, man?
2: Good. And
0: another old guy. I'm good. Another old Uh, guy. This is two,
2: yeah, this is two stiff shows for me in like a week. But these are like my first two, so i'm happy to be back on
0: look man What's hey you, you did well in the last one we got some good positive response and <laughs> we just had to have you back for another episode and i i can't think of anybody better to talk about gary harris's struggles than you
2: <laughs> i don't know what makes you single me out like that ryan but
0: you're right i'm happy <laughs> oh, to talk about them months months of discussion in the group chat i'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Well, let's, let's get into this. The first segment that we're going to do is going to be about this Oklahoma City loss. The second segment will be a variety of games that Nick has put together, including a buy and sell segment. And then the final segment, we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about the rotation, but then we'll look ahead for the rest of this weekend and the couple of games that are coming up on this schedule. Are you guys ready to go with me? Do it. Let's do it. All right. Oklahoma City loss. Probably the biggest problem in this game, I would say, was the 19 turnovers. Michael Malone singled it out post game. He was not very happy with how the Nuggets took care of the basketball or lack thereof. Zach, I'll start with you. 19 turnovers is a lot of turnovers. Was that the reason that the Nuggets lost this game?
1: I mean, it's definitely the thing. Is it was even though they lost by 12, it was pretty close um, throughout. They were actually not too far off. There in like the last five minutes or so, and then just kind of it just kind of all fell apart right there at the end. And they end up losing by twelve. But so I mean, it, that's the first thing I think you point to, and it certainly as a coach, I mean that's what you're going to point to. But there's other things. The bench unit did not play particularly well, uh, especially in the first half. Nobody could hit a shot outside of Murray and Jokic for about three and a half quarters of the game. And then it was they needed at least one of those things to go their way. Turnovers. A big one among them, and none of it did. It really kind of was a—you could tell it was the first game back from the All Star break. That was that was definitely apparent.
0: Yeah, it really was Nikola Jokic in that first quarter. He was he was really carrying the squad and and doing a really good job of it. Uh, but looking through this box score, it's kind of unbelievable how little production the Nuggets got from anybody outside of Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, and Will Barton. Uh, Nick, you have been on this for a while with, with Jokic and with Murray playing this way. Barton got it going in the second half, but they need somebody else to really step up here. They didn't have anybody step up. Is that more of a product of who's playing or the Nuggets should be a full strength. They should have their full complement of guys to, to really help out those trio.
2: Yeah. I'm struggling with how much stock to put in this game Um, because it was the first game back from the all-star break on the road. Uh, OKC was fired up. They had a good crowd. Uh, they played uh, generally pretty solid. Chris Paul had a monster game, um, and Jokic had a, had a great game. I think OKC just really got more from their role players and made less mistakes. And I yeah, that, I agree about the, the the turnovers were really the story of this game. Um, I'd also note the offensive rebounding of Stephen Adams was huge. Uh, it seemed like every time. The Nuggets started to make a run. Adams would would come up with some sort of big offensive rebound or defensive rebound that um, would would kind of stall that run. So, yeah, I don't – I mean, there's definitely some guys we can look at. You mentioned Gary Harris. We're going to be talking about him a little bit in this podcast, I have a feeling. Um, He really struggled. His first quarter was one of the worst quarters I've ever seen him play. I think he was something like 0 for 6. He had a couple turnovers. I mean, he just looked totally out of sorts. His defense wasn't particularly elite either, uh, really throughout the game, and I think especially in the fourth quarter, I didn't, I didn't think he did anything outstanding there on the defensive end either. Which to me just makes him borderline unplayable. Um, if if he's shooting the way he is, he kept missing layups, um, and not to single him out because there were, there's plenty of blame to go around. Uh, I thought Paul Millsap had a really disappointing game too. But, you know, just coming back from injury, it's it. so, it, the, you know, we had all these guys coming back from injury or after the all-star break, we're in a hostile environment. I don't know. It's tough. I, I'm not, I'm not sure. I think I need yeah. a few more games to kind of really start waving the warning flags, but we did see some of the same trends happen that we've been seeing all year.
0: Yeah. You, you get that general sense from people who talk about the league, people who talk about this stuff with coaches and players that the two most difficult games to really evaluate are the game before the all-star break and the game coming out of the all-star break and it wasn't necessarily that the Nuggets weren't playing hard. I thought they were definitely playing hard for this game, but the execution just wasn't there. It just didn't seem like things really clicked and really lined up. And when you have everybody healthy, that means everybody's kind of filling a slightly smaller role, a slightly different role than where they've been at. And I think a lot of guys looked really uncomfortable out there. Gary Harris included, Paul Millsap included. Uh, we'll talk about the bench in just a little bit. I think they, they deserve a special discussion. Uh, 22% 22% from three tonight, six of 27 from the, from three, only six threes made. That's that's in this day and age and this NBA, that's just not good enough. Only guys that made it five of the six came from the starting unit. Tory Craig made his first three, but then missed his next couple. Monte Morris missed four threes. Badly. Jeremy Grant missed three, uh, mpj airballed a three <laughs> i don't was, think i've ever seen that yeah, before it was his only three and i thought he got fouled because he missed it i did so too. badly so like yeah. like you don't usually see guys miss it that badly unless they get hit so i was i was pretty concerned pretty concerned about that uh but let's let's pivot to the defense because we're, we're going to talk a lot about the offense on this podcast i really i really do think that that deserves most of the attention here especially with the bench unit but Gary Harris was fine he he had good moments he had bad moments Paul Millsap got cooked in the fourth quarter just absolutely roasted on a number of occasions and that is a really bad sign for somebody who has been sitting and resting up for as long as he has he shouldn't be like he he played a few games coming out of the or coming into the all-star break and then this is his first game back it's not like he 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 should be ready to go and he looked a step slow out there. Zach, did you see the same thing or am I completely off base?
1: No, no, I mean I think you're <clears throat> you're onto something there, but I the thing you got to remember too is who is he covering most of the night. It's Danilo Gallinari, who as we know, I mean he's he's a tough cover, uh, especially for a guy like Paul Millsap cuz Gallo's got, you know, he's got enough size that that Millsap banging with him isn't really gonna throw him off as much as it might some other guys, but he's still got that quickness and he's got that range to to really kind of be able to punish you from all three levels of the court. And that I think is another place that Millsap can struggle with when he gets these more spry guys, these kind of small ball fours, if you will. Which uh, you know, and it's it's funny to call that now as Gallo's just like a standard four. That's just where he plays for. Uh, Stephen Adams, but at the time there was a time he was considered, you know, a small ball four, and and that's right. that's kind of just a, uh, the formula, I think, against Millsap, um, a lot of the time, and so I, you know, I, I again, even even though he's been back a few games, there's still the fact that you know he's going to have a hard time getting a rhythm. He was out, then he came back a few games, then now they were another off for another week or so. So I mean, I. I don't read too much into it, but you know, would they have probably been better off with Jeremy Grant starting tonight? I think absolutely.
0: Yeah, it's a that's a big deal and especially in this matchup, you are right that the Thunder present a unique challenge for a guy like Paul Millsap and a lot of these teams, especially in the Western Conference in in the playoff picture are going to present a unique challenge for this Nuggets team when Millsap is out there. Teams love to spread the floor. Teams love to use their power forward as a guy who stands at the corner or stands on the wing and is somebody who can really shoot. Uh, Daniil Gallinari obviously can really shoot. We know this. He, he has killed and killed for the Nuggets on a number of occasions. Uh, when you're Millsap, you can't just leave that guy. And on the couple of times where he felt like he left him too much, he kind of Closed out a little bit too hard. Gallo got past him. He got a key and one in the fourth quarter. That was a big right. deal. Another couple of possessions were against Chris Paul when, when Paul Millsap was switched. And when you have yeah. a four out spacing, that's, you have to be able to switch in those situations. I just don't think Millsap did that
1: well. I give Millsap a pass for getting, uh, getting pretty much losing his lunch there against Chris Paul, especially in the half, that one uh, play in the fourth quarter. Like, that's, I mean that that'll happen to any big, right? You get you get isolated one on one with Chris Paul and you're a, you're a power forward or a center. That's that's probably gonna end up badly for you. So that one I'll give him a break on.
0: Maybe. I'm I am I'm gonna give him less of a break just because they're both thirty five. This isn't like this is <laughs> not is like true. like Chris Paul is a spry twenty seven year old guard uh He looked pretty he, spry tonight though. He did and yeah, he looked spry. Paul Millsap on several occasions looked pretty quick as well, but just not when he was guarding on defense. So I'm a little bit concerned there. And while the numbers all say that the Millsap Jokic pairing is the best pairing, I am not as like a hundred percent on that as many people are. So, okay, then let's, let's move, let's move into this, uh, Another note that I have, Stephen Adams just absolutely torched Mason Plumlee, and whenever he was switched out on anybody besides Nikola Jokic, he torched them as well. You are right, when he he had seven offensive rebounds, if you had told me he had double digit offensive rebounds, I wouldn't be surprised. (laughs) Uh, That dude can board, and the Nuggets are probably going to have to mirror Nikola Jokic with Stephen Adams' minutes. Every time that Adams is on the floor, which is not usually how that's supposed to go. Uh, it's supposed to be the other way around. So let me ask you, Nick. Uh, let's get into this bench unit. Mason Plumlee was really bad. A lot of guys were really bad, but Mason Plumlee stood out for a lot of the the incorrect reasons. He had a couple of early turnovers. He only had two rebounds. Steven Adams at 17. Yeah. Uh, what gives what, what gives with, with Mason Plumley here? And I don't,
2: I, I don't know. He hasn't looked right really in a while. I mean, I thought he got off to a good start this season, um, the first month or so. And I, I just feel like we're not, we're not really seeing the same guy the last, I don't know, month or two that we've seen at his peak. And this is reminding me more of the Plumley that we saw in the playoffs last year, that was not good, and was a big problem for this team. Uh, it was
0: such a limited. What's up? Oh no, I'll I'll just. This was his first game back, so this was his first game back from injury. He's been out for a significant chunk. I will give him that. He's he's been out for a while, and he's had that injury that that uh. Yeah right. How long? Yeah, what was it? How long was it that he was out? In total? It was a cuboid injury. I think he was out for about three to four weeks. So three or can't four weeks. can't okay. give him to like got to give him a little bit of pass for that just because it's his first time back in a while. So
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I misspoke. I should, I I was really speaking about the, the, the sort of month before he was, he was hurt. Sure. Um, that I, I just, I, I didn't think that he was adding a whole lot, um, to the team. He just, I don't know. He, I, I, I'm frustrated w- with him often, but like he, then he'll bounce back and have one of those like really great, effort games a hustle game where he uh you know seems to make all of all of the big sort of defensive plays and gets a bunch of offensive boards and uh we've seen him play us Jokic a little bit and have some success there um at times in certain matchups so I I don't know I'm not really sure what to expect for my my backup center maybe I'm but I am interested in a small ball lineup with with maybe Grant at the five I know you've been talking about that for a while and That's something I think could have been explored in this game. um, If Adams could have been matched with Jokic, as you said, Uh, but when, when Plumlee was on the, on the court without Adams, maybe there, there was an opportunity there to pull Plumlee and go with a small ball lineup against a a relatively small team, you know, a team that has three guards on the floor a lot.
0: Yeah. Um, let's, Let's get into that bench lineup real quick, because I think that that's, that's really important to start talking about like what we saw tonight. What, what, what actually transpired Michael Porter jr played three minutes in the first half. He came in at the three minute mark next or in the first quarter, along with Tory Craig and Mason Plumley. And he spent his eight minutes in total between the first half and second half. All eight of those minutes came next to Tory Craig, Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumley, and none of them came with Nicole Jokic. Only a couple of them came with Jamal Murray, uh, not a lot of love for the Michael Porter Jr. fan club tonight, but he also was not put into a great situation. Zach, what did you see from Michael Porter Jr. in that bench unit, specifically the Porter-Grant-Plumlee pairing?
1: Well, I mean, he had a, he just had a tough night. I mean, like we were saying, he had that air ball. Um it was you could just kind of tell he was rusty. I mean, also another guy coming off of injury and then the long break. Um what I noticed mostly about that bench unit now though, this I mean, and now we get to see it that the the trade deadline is passed and the Nuggets have made their move. Like they Michael Porter Jr. has to score that bench to be able to be effective because there are no other scorers on that on the entire bench unit. There is no Malik Beasley. Anymore, there's no Herner-Gomez in the corners for you anymore. Like it's him, and it's your and Jeremy Grant, you know, on on catch and shoot threes, and, and maybe Monty Morris on on a couple of pick and rolls with Plumlee or or some floaters in the lane. But you know, those are those are not guys that you're counting on night in night out to to give you scoring production. And this is this is a problem the Nuggets have had really since they moved Will Barton into the starting lineup last season. They've never been able to replace that kind of production. Now that you, know, you were hoping Malik Beasley was kinda of, kinda of step into that role and a lot of times he did. He did last season, not as much this year, but he was here at kinda of towards the end. Now that he's gone and you've kinda of, you've committed to Michael Porter Junior, um, you if he's not scoring, like that bench unit is just is rough. And and if you don't have Jokic next to him and you're playing Plumley um and, and and Jeremy Grant, you've you're now kinda of really just looking for him to be the creator and and do it do it all for you so it's it's a lot to put on him as a rookie I think it's certainly something that he's capable of down the road but right now it it at least in this game tonight it looked like it was it was too much and and coach had a really quick hook for him obviously there in the first half which I didn't I didn't quite understand but that's that's what he went with and it, it It was, it was very noticeable that this, this group is going to struggle to score or doesn't at least know right now who's going to be their go-to people on the offensive end.
0: So the player that I would have pulled in that situation was Jeremy Grant probably would have put Murray back in. I thought that was a good call that, Hey, you need a little bit more creation off that bench. Uh, Monte Morris, as good as he is, is one man, uh, Torrey Craig moves to the three, Michael Porter Jr. moves to the four, and then you've got Mason Plumley at the five. Suddenly you have a little bit more offense, a little bit more creation, a little bit more spacing. Uh, they did go with Murray, but they pulled Porter instead and had Craig, Grant, and Plumley out there. That didn't really do anything in that situation. Uh, I'm concerned. All of the bench guys combined went one of 11 for three, And it doesn't look like – like, those are the top ten guys. Those are your five bench guys if you're going to use your normal starting lineup of Murray, Harris, Barton, Millsap, Jokic. Despite the problems that we may have with with what Gary Harris has done – Putting him on the bench unit is not going to really solve matters. Just like switching him with Tory Craig, for example, like how much more offense does the Mer or does the Morris Harris Porter grant Plumlee lineup really give you like, it's, it's not a, right. not a lot of great situations here. Uh, but tell you what, enough about this game. There's, there's just too much. Uh, actually, Nick, do you have another point? Yeah. Uh, I was just thinking that I kind of been wondering, eh,
2: Let's save it. We'll save it for buy and sell. I'm gonna. <laughs> I was gonna make a point about about Gary Harris
0: uh, moving to the bench, but we're gonna talk about that first. So. Okay. Uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, Nick's segment is on deck. Buy or sell. We'll be right back. denver stiff show i'm ryan blackburn joined today by zach Mikosh and nick herzog nick because we are pairing with the dig we are also pairing with the pickaxe pundits show it's it's not the pickaxe pundits anymore it's just the pickaxe podcast podcast. excuse me Uh, i do know that i promise uh (laughs) so
1: we're gonna pickaxe pundits uh i just want to put this out there pickaxe pundits is fully uh the license of sb nation that is their uh, name that they can have. So pickaxe podcast is though, you know, totally. Set.
0: Yeah. Let's, uh, that's, that's <laughs> into the weeds. And, and I know that there are some, there are some extenuating circumstances there that we just do not want to get into right now. Uh, <laughs> but, but we are going to combine different elements of the pickaxe and of the dig in this segment. We are going to focus more on the dig segments and Nick's going to take it away with some, some fun games to play. All right bringing in buyer sell first
2: up buy or sell Jokic will average 25 points per game over the final whatever what do we have 24 games left
0: uh well what we think, have Brian? we have 26 games now 26 uh we had and he had 32 in this one I'm gonna go sell and that's that to me I don't think that's a hot take uh the Nuggets will need him to score but twenty five points per game is a lot to ask, especially when you have a full rotation of guys that are capable of of also putting up points when they're hot. Uh, I'm gonna sell on that one.
1: What do you think, Zach? I am. Uh, I'm gonna buy actually on that one. I think mm. uh, we're 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 seeing it. There's there's not much outside of Jokic and Murray. There just isn't. I don't. I think at this point we can't expect Gary Harris to come around. Will Barton has been great. But he's now been hurt, so it's hard to... How much can we count on him? The Nuggets, I think the Nuggets are going to... If they want to, you know, get the top seed in the West or even maybe maintain the second seed in the West, they're going to need Jokic at 25 points a game. I'm an optimist, so I'm going to buy it.
2: Yeah, I think I'm going to gang up on you, Ryan. I'm buying it, too. Um, Just for a little context, he's averaging over 25 over his last 15 games, which is a pretty decent stretch of time to be averaging 25. Uh, of course that, you know, stretch, there was a bunch of injuries. We had uh, injuries, to key starters, including Murray, um, who is by far the second best scorer on the team at the, at the moment. So it makes sense that he was averaging 25, but I, yeah, kind of pair it what Zach said. I'm not sure where else the points are coming from right now. Uh, you know, maybe Harris can get things turned around. I, I think we're going to see more production out of Murray moving forward too. I think, I think seeing over 20 points a game from Murray uh, to finish out the season probably is pretty likely. Also, I'm really hoping for that. I mean, I would love to see Murray up in the like 23 to 25 points per game range, which he's been kind of hovering around too uh, since he came back from injury. Um, that might be a, a bit of an ask for him, but um, I think I, I think the Nuggets need that from Jokic. I think he understands that that's what he needs, and he's, he's scoring at such an efficient clip. Right now, too, that I think it's actually possible because I don't—he's never going to be a high volume shooter, Um, so I don't—I don't know that we ever even want to see Jokic scoring like 32 a game or something like that because I I think the amount of shots he'd be taking might be damaging actually to the offense. But
0: I, I will let me let me add really quickly to that Murray point. This is his sixth straight game dating back to when he when he came back from his injury. Six straight that he has scored 20 points or more. That's a really big deal. That's the largest stretch of his career in which he's had 20-plus point games. That's a, that's a turning point. And even though he wasn't great in this game, he was good. And 21 points on 16 shots is not bad efficiency. Like the, It could be better, but it also could be a lot worse. So really liking what I've seen from Jamal.
2: Yeah, no, I totally agree. Now, uh, one guard that maybe we haven't been as thrilled with, uh, who's gotten a little attention already is Gary Harris. So the next buy or sell, I'll give this one to you, Zach. Gary Harris needs to be benched.
1: Um, I'm going to sell it. I just, I, 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 Gary Harris needs to move the bench, right? That's, that's the question. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I got to sell it because here's the thing. It, it we've kind of, we've been talking about this. Who are you putting in Like, Where's the improvement coming? Because the most likely guy you're switching into is Tory Craig, which I, to me tomato tomato at this point. Like both guys are really good defenders. Um, would be your best defender on the wings, but uh, Tory doesn't really give you that much more on offense than than Gary Harris does. Like if I had confidence that that we were going to put in Michael Porter Jr. and you know shift Will Barton down to the two. Now we gain a little more size there. We've got some extra scoring punch. At least, you know, we were taking a chance. Like I could see like there, there could be a way you might could sell me on that, but like, we're not going to do that. That's not what coach Malone's going to do. He's going to, if he was going to take out Gary Harris, it's going to be for Tory Craig. And uh, to me, it's, it's a, it's a pretty lateral move. I don't think it makes much of a difference. You might as well just not try and mess with any chemistry or anything like that. And I would just, I would just keep riding it out with Gary in the starting lineup. So I'm going to sell that one.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm going to agree with Zach here, but, but for different reasons, I think that eventually he will be moved to the bench, but it's not because he needs to be, it's going to be what's best for the team. It's going to be what's best for Gary at that point. I don't think he needs to be though. He can figure this out. Uh, He did make a three tonight. That was nice to see. It was a good transition look, very clean, very easy. Uh, He also shoots really well from the corners, and for whatever reason, he was driving out of the corner tonight. I like it when he shoots from the corners. He's actually really good there, shoots over 40%. He's just an awful above-the-break three-point shooter. So there are ways that he can perform. I don't think he will be the starter at shooting guard for this team, by game 4 of the first round of the playoffs. That's what I'll say.
2: That's a pretty hot take I feel like. Cuz I I just feel like Harris is like Malone's boy. <laughs> I don't know. I just right. have this I get this sense that like I don't he's part of the, you know, he's part of the original core. He was the the, the first of this group that was signed to a long-term deal. Uh his Shooting and finishing seemed like the perfect complement next to Jokic, so it made a lot of sense when the Nuggets signed him uh, to the deal that they did. But we're just not seeing that guy right now, uh, at least on offense. Um, his defense has been really good all year, and that's what's keeping him on the floor. But he missed, I don't know, four or five layups tonight. I mean, if he's, if he's just hitting, you know, 50, 60% of his layups, even, I, I feel like he's less of a black hole on offense i'm gonna sell this also that he doesn't need to be benched and largely because of what we were talking about earlier about his fit on the on the bench um i think i i'm i'm curious though if moving him to the bench might lighten things up i have i it it could go it could go one of two ways i mean i i could see Gary being benched as a real slap in the face that he would not take too kindly. Um, That could motivate him to perform better from the bench in uh, the the minutes that he gets there, which he would probably still have a fair amount of minutes. It probably wouldn't really be that big of a hit to his minutes, honestly, but it, it, it it would be more of a symbolic gesture, I think. And that could motivate him. I could also see it really messing with his confidence and making him feel like he is, now being sort of left behind by the team that he committed to and that has believed in him as part of this core. So I, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a tough one with him. He, it's, it's not a simple matter. I think, you know, maybe, maybe nuggets fans watch these games and they see him missing these shots like I do. And they just go, just put somebody else in, like, let's just play someone else you can shoot, you know? But I think there is something a little more fragile about the team chemistry here that, that Michael Malone's trying to juggle and it, it with him in particular, I don't know that it's a simple matter of just put a better shooter in.
0: Yeah. At some point you're going to, you're going to run into a situation where if he has a number of these games in a row and the nuggets find themselves down two one, to an Oklahoma city team in the playoffs, and they have to win a game in Oklahoma city, uh, a game four to even the series. That's, uh, a tough process. shake up it's 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 yeah you, you have to do something but different. a shake up
2: might be justified in that yeah in that case i mean like we saw that with barton last year too and the shake right. up you know worked out well it was the right call
0: and and it also uh, worked for barton too he was actually a lot right. better in the portland series uh coming off the bench he, he finished some games he shot pretty well it wasn't perfect and he didn't have the trust of malone after that but that was that was good for him overall, and it might be good for Gary too. So, we'll see.
1: Yeah, I was say the one the one other part about that shakeup though that has to work out is you're going to need Torrey Craig to shoot forty seven percent from three again, like he did in the playoffs last year, which was, you know, that was the the kind of anomaly, I guess, in in the that working out last year. So I just again, man, yeah, I I if if it, if it's what you need to do, if it helps out Gary, then like by all means, because like I said, I think him and Craig are kind of. Uh, the, the same kind of player at this point but um whew, it, it makes me nervous it makes me nervous uh, for sure. it, it does
2: I, I mean i mean i go ahead i was just gonna say i mean just start hitting shots like right. So, right. so much so much of <laughs> it like, goes away thing? if he just makes
1: some shots are we ready to like actually start believing like has he, has he really lost it like I, I can't bring my head around it to be like he's just totally forgot how to shoot like this is like, this slump is crazy and it's gone and on forever, but it has to end at some point. Like, it has to. Gary Harris is a better shooter than what we have seen this season. I know he is.
0: He's under 40% yeah. from the field, under 30% from three. At some point, you are what your numbers say you are. And
1: it's. He's it's got just, the. He had the adductor this year, right?
0: It was very early and he did sit for a few games, but it wasn't like. The, the the reason why he sat was to get it fully right. It wasn't like he he could have probably played through, played it through it or it. played a couple of missed a couple of games and been right back. Instead he misses like six or seven just to make sure that he's fully right. Feels pretty good. I I hope I hope that he's healthy. He should be healthy. The Nuggets just were on the all star break and if anybody's not gonna be healthy, it's Jamal, but I mean Gary Harris did get clocked tonight. He he absolutely got right. just destroyed going to the rim. Uh I'm worried about him because if these if these injuries are mounting up, if these if if he just doesn't look right and feel right, it's probably in his best interest that you don't start him. Just for his long-term health, just for his long-term ability to figure things out again. Right he's
2: always been injury prone and he's never played a full season. Right. Um, and he's had, you know, these hip issues, these core issues, like, you know, kind of a lot of, uh, sort of, I don't know, these lingering kind of I- issues. Right. But he's I It's how, not like he's ever blown an ACL. Body. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, he's, it's always just been five games here, eight games there, 10 games here. You know, it's always just, a uh, these kind of nagging injuries. It, it reminds me a lot of Gallo. I mean, obviously Gallo ended up having the big, uh, the big knee injury, but it reminds me a lot of like Gallo's career and how he all it was always something you know something or another that was going on that he was working through. All
2: right, all right. Next, buy or sell? Buy or sell? MPJ will average over twenty minutes per game until the playoffs, Ryan.
0: Oh, well, if this game is any indication, I think this is an easy question. <laughs> but, uh, uh, oh God, uh, I'm gonna sell it. It's not should
2: he it's will he i know i'm gonna
0: sell it i don't think that he has malone's trust because if he did have malone's trust then malone would not have pulled him in three minutes nobody's minute restriction limits them to three minutes in the first half that's just a fact like you're you're either on a Mm -hmm. 10 minute restriction in which case he probably would have had at least another couple of minutes in that first half at some point point. I was half expecting him to reinsert him at the end of the first half, like 3 minutes and then he plays the last 5 or 6 minutes of the first half with the starters. I think that would be a good idea going forward, but that's not really what's going on here. That's not that's not what they're what they're going with. And I don't trust that this was all minutes restriction related and injury prevention related. I think there's a little bit more here. And I don't think it's going to. Like, we know that the Porter, Grant, Plumley lineup does not work. I think the Porter's going to be the one that's benched before I think Grant or Plumley are.
2: What do
1: you think, Zach? uh, I'm selling it. I'm selling it so hard. Like, (laughs) this. Because exactly what Ryan said. Like, do I think he should? Probably. Like, I think he should be up there. It's unquestionable. Um, Like,
0: honestly, like,
1: the last. January was
0: unbelievable. This dude was right. and I mean, incredible. Yeah.
1: And it's but it's Malone just, you know, it's he's old school and and Michael Porter Jr is the rookie and so anytime he makes a mistake, uh, anytime he's not anytime he's not looking incredible, you know, he's got that short leash and so yeah, there's just I can't I can't possibly see him getting Twenty minutes game. If you had said fifteen, I maybe maybe would buy it, but twenty, I just there, I just don't see it happening.
2: So is that what you guys think? Is maybe maybe between fifteen and twenty? Is that where where he's going to find himself? Is it going? Yeah, be I don't. Fifteen.
1: I don't think he's going to get a, as many. I think there'll be less eight minute nights than there are not. You know, or like you know, he's these nights that we saw tonight probably won't be the norm. I think he's going to get more than what we saw here against Oklahoma City, but. I don't think it's going to be up to like 20 minutes game. You know, you look at some of the other guys and their minutes tonight. Torrey Craig was at 16. Mason Plumlee was at 14. That's probably more where you could expect him to be at, I think, on average. There'll be those nights when he's just really hot. And so he ends up getting 20, 25 minutes. You know, they might face some injuries here or there that make it force him into a bigger role. But I think overall, you should probably expect him around 15 minutes a game is, is where he lands.
0: Yeah, it really feels to me like two 7- to 8-minute stretches are where, are where he's going to sit on average. And sometimes he'll play a little bit more than that. Sometimes he'll play a little bit less. But there is no opportunity for him to do... 25 plus minute nights. If all of the starters are healthy and they're playing the kind of minutes that they are like Jeremy Grant was the highest minute guy off the bench tonight. And he only got 21. So I think that it's a pretty easy call at this point that, Hey, 16, 17 minutes per game, probably his ceiling. Yep.
2: I'm selling it to, I'm just so, I would love to see a Murray Barton MPJ. Grant or Millsap and Jokic lineup get some serious run, and I I think I I just feel like I feel like Malone may be handling this the wrong way. I think MPJ has played better when he's had more pressure on him. I think Malone's handling him with kid gloves. He he, he you know he started uh, at the beginning of the season, the first couple of months, where he would only put him in in sort of like garbage time or in like these like you know against. Uh, you know, without like any starters on the floor or whatever, and then he sort of eased him in because he had to with injuries and things. I mean, I think there was a there was a plan there too to to, to get increase his minutes. But I feel like the best MPJ that we've seen so far was in January when he was playing against good competition, when he was in the game in the fourth right. quarter, when when he actually needs to try hard. <laughs> you know, like if you always bring somebody in just against a bench unit. And you know you're more talented than the guys out there. I'm not, I'm not saying this. he doesn't need to play as hard anytime he's in the game. He does. But it's just kind of, I think, human nature a little bit. Your mentality is you, you sort of raise your game to your competition. and Certainly the Nuggets as a team do that. We see it happen all the time when they play down to their competition. I, I just wonder if maybe putting more pressure on him wouldn't be the better, the better option here. Um, I don't think we're going to see it. Uh, I don't think we're going to see him playing in it's, you know, meaningful minutes very often in the next 25 games or whatever. But I, I feel like, like we, we all sit here, we talk about it. And we know he's the future. It's like, let's get on with it. I, I kind of <laughs> feel like, like what, yeah. what are we like? He's shown that he can, he can perform in big minutes, um, and important minutes in games. Uh, I, it's it's tough. I mean I I get where Malone like the like, it's tough to be like having you know experimental lineups and uh putting a rookie in on a team that has championship aspirations this late in the season. So I it may not even be the smartest thing. I just maybe I'm I'm wanting to rush rush ahead into next year, or the year after where we know that what the sort of ideal lineup is going to look like probably, but
0: Yeah. Um, well, that lineup I, I just that,
2: I'm not sure this is the right strategy.
0: That lineup that you mentioned, the Murray, Barton, Porter, grant or Millsap and then Jokic that to me it feels like it's staring me in the face it feels like it's staring I know it's staring Adam Morris in the face he and I have been talking about this (laughs) on and off the air like like constantly yeah like that that group is elite and it will be elite and you just have to try it and you just have to trust it and if you if you want to win in the playoffs those six guys with Millsap and Grant kind of flip-flopping are probably going to have to be really high minute guys. That's that's just who that's what the NBA is now. You have to be tall, you have to be athletic, you have to be lengthy on the at the forward positions, especially with the teams that the Nuggets are going to face. So you can get away with Craig there. You may be able to get, get away with Harris there a little bit, but in the end Sometimes just having a six foot 10 guy, having a six foot nine guy in Grant, both guys can shoot, both guys can drive, both guys can cut. That to me seems like where they should be, where they have to be.
1: I like it. It's a good, I was like, it's a really good mix too, because you put those two guys. One of the things that I, I actually kind of somewhat disagree with Nick and I think, but mm-hmm. I think we're seeing the same thing is, is I don't think it's that. Michael Porter Jr. is getting more pressure put on him. It's I think it's just getting more time playing with guys like Jokic and Murray. I mean, when you yeah, put maybe. him, I mean, when he's by himself or even with Monty Morris, there there is not as much chemistry there. And and so when you have the opportunity to put him with those other creators, a Will Barton as well, and and he can just pick and choose his moments, and or he can just stand out and be a spot up shooter. The guy shoots forty three percent from three, like that. He he's really good. At that, and that's why I think is that this lineup uh, that you guys are talking about can be so effective. As you take three creators in in Barton, Murray, and Jokic, and then you put take your two forwards with them who are just completely interchangeable. There's no three, there's no four. They're just two big, you know, combo forwards who also both can shoot well from outside, particularly in catch and shoot. And you know, they're not they're not gonna uh, do too much shooting off the dribble, but they're they'll be quite good uh if you set them up but like you put them next to those three creators it's just a, it really opens up so much on that offensive end to do whatever you want the question is can you withstand the defense can michael porter jr get the defense where you need it to be so that you can actually use him as a weapon with his size and put him on some of these elite wings in the western conference and can jeremy grant really truly replace what paul Millsap brings on that defensive side, because Paul Millsap, like, yeah, th- that's a nice, I, because uh, that's a nice maybe solution for this season. But, but the, the, the Murray, Barton, uh, Porter, Grant, Jokic lineup, that is the future to me. That is your core. That should be your starting lineup next season. And, and that, that unit, like you guys, I mean, it has the potential to be elite. It could take this yeah. team to the next level.
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a lineup that could win a championship. Right. there isn't there isn't a weakness there there's not a glaring you know like if, this year we talk about Barton's undersize and
0: yeah right and if he can stay healthy and all
2: all of that but
0: to your point the the ceiling is there to your point about porter in january his usage went down it actually wasn't he, like he was just out there for more time but his actual usage went down it was it was one of the things that I think went completely under the radar was he fit really well he didn't press the issue in many games he was just out there picking and choosing his spots like you said when you surround him with creators and shooters and guys that can can also do similar things but he can do them at a better level then you've got something so I I That's the way this has to trend for me. If it doesn't trend that way, the Nuggets are probably going to get upset in the first round.
2: Ooh, that hurts, but I think you might be right. All right. So before we get to the first round, we'll do a a quick one to wrap up. Buy or sell the Nuggets topping 57 wins to set the franchise record. What do you think, Ryan?
0: Uh, Okay. So they're 38 and 18 right now with 26 games left to go. They'd have to go 20-6 and six to hit 58, so I'm going to sell. I just don't think that they can win 20 out of 26 to close. They've got a pretty tough schedule. There are going to be situations like tonight where they're trying to figure out the rotation, where they're trying to identify who the best guys are to play, uh, figure out what combinations work best. I don't think they win 20 of their next 26 games, so I'm going to sell.
1: I'm with Ryan on this one. I gotta I gotta sell it as well because it's it's just tradition in the NBA to give the Nuggets some crazy schedule in March. Um it's not like we have like a rodeo or something like San Antonio or I think somebody has like the circus come in town, right? And maybe that's in New York. <laughs> and they actually have to like vacate the arena for a week or two so they actually go on these crazy road trips. It's not like we have that event, but for whatever reason, that's just how the how the NBA uh likes to do it against the Nuggets in March. They'll play 11 games in 20 nights and they will do nine of them on the road in March. They have one of the toughest schedules in the entire West. It's they have, they have a road trip on in March where they go from Oklahoma city to Toronto to the very next night to Chicago and then down to Miami to finish it out. Like it's, it's just kind of silly what they're going to have to go through. So I think they're, they're very close to being on pace to getting there, but it's, it's just they're gonna have they'd have to play incredible uh to get it done so maybe they will because i mean they beat milwaukee in milwaukee on the second night of back to back in utah with seven guys so you know what do we know
0: could i admit yeah, I'm something? out. can i admit yeah. something to you guys uh-huh i had no idea that the rodeo road trip was was called that <laughs> until you said anything. that until you said that oh yeah that's because <laughs> the rodeo comes to town in san antonio that makes a lot of sense i get it I thought, I thought they were just the odd i thought they were just weird um uh,
2: <laughs> uh go ahead nick no no that's fine um yeah that just reminded me of something there is uh, i'm not gonna be able to think of it on the fly there was, there was something i heard like that the other day that i was like oh that's what that means i'm like you know i'm 37 year old man i never realized something i'd heard uh you're washed. my whole life like but i can't remember <laughs> anyway um i'm gonna push and cop out and say that they tie the franchise record mm, okay. yeah, 57 wins um and mostly just kind of what you were finishing with there zach i think uh they tend to play up to their competition i think actually ending with a tough stretch is probably the better thing to have happen to this team i think if if we were into, into march and they had a stretch where they played like six sub 500 teams and you know a couple of stinkers in there at home or something i think we could see them blow maybe a few games that they won't against tougher competition that's my that's my goal my hope very anyway, fair so um
0: uh, okay was that it for buy or sell
2: that's all i got a okay. little taste of the dig
0: <laughs> there you go. Uh, give you a quick taste. Uh, we're we're actually gonna combine segments two and three right now. just make it just make it segment two. I don't think we have enough in segment three to really cover. We talked enough about the rotation that I think just makes sense to condense what we would have talked about regarding the pickaxe podcast and that's looking ahead. We have three games that I think we should talk about on over this next stretch. Uh, the third game we will definitely, have a Denver stiff show on that Thursday beforehand, but the next two games are on Sunday against the Minnesota Timberwolves and on Tuesday against the Detroit Pistons. I think those are two interesting games for a couple of reasons. First of all, they're at home. you have rest in both games? Minnesota is going to be returning Malik Beasley and watcher Hernan Gomez and Jared Vanderbilt. That's important too, but, uh, I think that's going to be fun. I think that's going to be really enjoyable to see those guys again. Uh, what, do, what do you guys expect from Malik Beasley and Wancho in their return? I'll start with Zach. I seventy-five points. Oh, sorry, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I was going to say I expect
1: them to shoot and shoot well. Like that's uh, one. That's just how things go against the Nuggets. But like, I, I, you know, they're going to be motivated. Obviously, they're going to want to show. Um, they're going to want to show Tim Connolly firsthand. Hey. You you maybe made a mistake. You should have paid me more money, give me a bigger offer in my extension. You definitely shouldn't have traded me, you know, all those things. They're also gonna be comfortable. Like this is this'll be like playing another home game for them, you know, out there on on the Pepsi Center floor. So I, I think both of those guys are gonna play well. It's an earlier tip off on Sundays, those tend to get kinda wacky. Uh I would not be shocked to see the Nuggets lose this game against Minnesota. I'm
2: looking forward to seeing Wancho play against against Jokic. I think that'll, that'll be fun. They should have some minutes together on the court, I think.
0: How um, funny would Wancho's it be... Wancho's
2: starting a little bit, hasn't he?
0: How, well, how fu- yeah, he, yeah, he, he, he is would... starting a power forward. Yeah. Uh, how funny yeah. would it be yeah. if, if Jokic gets switched on to Wancho and while he's in the post, Wancho is just smiling his ass off. Like he's just he's just <laughs> grinning. Maybe he's speaking to Jokic in Serbian, uh, just trying to get under his skin and, and Jokic is literally laughing while he's backing him under the basket. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think that'll be really enjoyable. They're also gonna be without Carl Anthony Towns that came out today that uh Towns is going to sit out with a sore wrist. Uh, that's probably the right call. They aren't going anywhere and he doesn't really have to prove anything other than the fact that he can carry a defense at some point, but he hasn't been able to do that. So what are you going to do? Uh, anything yeah, up- that
2: has trap game written all over it. You, think you got so? Beasley and Wancho highly motivated towns being out. It's the type of game the Nuggets play down. I feel like Um I, I hope not. I mean, I, I maybe, maybe the the fact that Beasley and Wancho will be in, will be enough of a motivation to get them up for it.
0: You know, I'm going to gonna, I'm gonna uh, go the uh, other way on that. Actually. I think that the nuggets are going to roll in that game, particularly because they cannot guard Jokic. That's, that's not going to happen. And Jamal Murray, instead of having to face Shea Gilgis Alexander or Lugent Stort, whoever that guy was in the OKC game tonight, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Chris Paul, guys like that. Jamal Murray is going to have his choice of going up against D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Josh Akogi, who is good, but he's, he's, is what he is. Or Wancho Hernan Gomez when he gets him on a switch. So those guys are going to roll. And I think the nuggets are going to be pretty focused in this post all-star break section against the bad teams. Let's hope so. Uh um, right. Yeah. Cause I, they're not playing yeah. that many of them. Uh, Detroit is the other game on Tuesday, and they have basically lost everybody. They traded Andre yeah, Drummond. Who even
1: plays for Detroit? They
0: traded Andre Drummond <laughs> for scraps, aka Brandon Knight and John. Henson. They cut
1: Reggie Jackson.
0: They yeah he uh, buy oh, they John bought Hensler. him out. Uh, they also right. bought out Markef Morris, although that means a lot less. Uh, they started Thon right. Maker at center, who actually did decently against <laughs> Jokic in the Detroit game, but I don't think that's going to continue. In this game,
1: Jokic, uh, Jokic feasted on Thawmaker in Milwaukee. Like he destroyed that guy. That was kind of the reason there was a a time there where pretty much every time the the Nuggets played Milwaukee, it was a guaranteed triple double. <laughs> it was because you knew Thonmaker was going to be <laughs> yeah. putting some minutes on Jokic. So yeah, that one. Um, well, yeah, that's crazy. Because I, I mean, Blake Griffin's out too, right for the season. So it's like who. Yeah, I, I just, it's going to be a lot of Lou Dortz out there, I think, probably.
2: I mean, in, I could probably arrange my schedule if they wanted to give me, like, a 10-day contract <laughs> That's right. That's
1: Let's That's right. Let's do it. Let's, I, I want to see it. It's a 10-day worth. 10-day's worth, like, a good, you know, it's like, yeah, I mean, it's maybe not six figures, but...
0: Yeah, probably what I make in a year, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Definitely more. Uh, never mind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so those those games should be pretty easy. I, I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Denver rolls in both of them, even though they are against... Teams that Denver has struggled with in the past, given that they play down to their competition, like you guys say. I know that th- I think that they know that they have to make all of these games count, or else they could find themselves in a first round matchup with the Houston Rockets in a four-five in the bracket with the Los Angeles Lakers. So they don't want that. They don't want to be put in that situation. I think they know that.
1: I have a uh I have a good first round question for you guys. Um we we we're coming into a point here now where it's it's pretty clear right i don't think it's hard to see Houston and Utah leapfrogging both Denver and the Clippers so you're you're looking at a scenario where in the first round you're you're going to get either uh Utah, Houston, Dallas or Oklahoma City of those four which one do you want which one do you not want
0: i want Dallas i think that's going to be I think that's actually a pretty easy call. Uh, some people are really fearful of Dallas. I actually think that Denver's in a pretty good situation where they can reasonably guard Luka Doncic or at least let him go off while guarding the other options. Uh, what do you think, Nick?
2: Yeah, Dallas doesn't scare me too much. I'm not particularly concerned about Utah, although with the you know the kind of rivalry there, there you know Gobert can be a tough matchup, although. Yokech handled them pretty well the last time they played. So I it, I don't know that they just don't scare me. I'm not that team. That team. I feel like they, they can go on some stretches where they look like, like they could actually be like a championship contender, but then they have games like, well, tonight we were just talking about earlier. They're getting rolled by San Antonio at home. Um, right. Yeah. I think I, they just Utah's a lot me. of
1: fool's gold to me. I um I'm not sure about Utah. I don't know that they're actually as good as their record is right now. They had a, they beat up on a lot of bad teams. Um, and when I got to tell you actually had...
2: don't know that Houston is really that Yeah, I'm not know. very
1: scared of Houston either. I got to tell now, you uh, this, this weird
0: small ball experiment is crazy. Uh okay, tonight? I I think I'd be more scared of OKC than certainly Utah. Yeah. Uh Denver has the right. personnel that can really match up with Utah in a playoff series and if they have to bench Paul Millsap to do it, I think that they will. Uh that's actually another question, and Boyan Bogdanovich is very similar to Danilo Gallinari. So, Zach, as you mentioned, that could be a really tough series for Millsap. Uh, but, no, I, I would be I would be most confident in Dallas. That would be I, – I that's probably a hot take for some people, but I think that Denver could match up with them.
1: See, I think you take Dallas just because of the inexperience, right? Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, the one thing, though, that you do worry about is, like, you can say Luka Doncic is inexperienced to a point because he's never played in the NBA playoffs. The dude has won, like, every version of the playoffs they have in Europe. So, like, there's there's that to consider as well. Sure. But I think overall, you know, Dallas, is they're just not, um, they're not, like, a, a, a team that scares you because they're, they feel like that team who's just going to be happy to get in and then and then they're they're probably going to be pretty easy to get rid of in the first round.
2: Yeah, the only thing that would concern me is Luka. I mean, I I think there's a the potential he he does what Jokic did in his first playoffs.
1: Was like we're, um, what Curry did against us in 2013. Right.
2: I mean, I, I, those really highly skilled players scare me in the playoffs because when when things get get more bottled up, they get tighter. A lot of times those guys their game isn't really as affected as uh you know some of the more high flyers are the guys that um you know are used to getting open open looks and things like that. Luca has got an array of offensive talents can make shots from all over the place, all sorts of difficult shots and gets gets guys good looks. So I yeah, I don't know. I it would be a it would be a blast of a matchup though. I almost think that's my my favorite of the matchups too probably.
0: Uh just well, just from a fan perspective. We'll talk about this more in the future, but if Denver loses in a first round series, that's a big problem. Especially if they didn't play Michael Porter Jr. a ton, or if he didn't look great in the in a very limited sample, that's a problem. That's a we we have a lot of questions going forward. If Denver cannot advance past Dallas, that's that's a right. big 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 red flag. So, uh, but either way. The last game that I want to talk about is this coming Friday. It's an away game, and it's also a watch party. We're going to do a Denver Stiffs watch party at Stoney's downtown on Friday, Stonies. February 28th. Uh, the tip-off is at 8.30 p.m. Uh, make sure to get there in time. We have, we're going to have a lot of tickets, giveaways, lots of prizes, jerseys going to have some games there and you get to drink with Nuggets fans and it's going to be a national TV game against the Los Angeles Clippers like that's going to be a great atmosphere. I am really 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 excited to be down there at Stoney's for what should be a really important game. It could be a potential playoff matchup against the Los Angeles Clippers. So uh, do you guys have any predictions for how that game turns out? Bad. (laughs) Thanks, man. Thanks. I'll (laughs) be more positive. Trying to sell sell this watch party to the
1: fans. (laughs) Everything sucks. It's tough. The watch party party party, You'll get to watch
2: LA teams, which is all anyone wants to watch anyways, right? True. It'll
1: be a good game, but yeah. I mean, it's the Nuggets playing an LA team on national TV. I'm not getting my hotel.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, guys, it's been a pleasure. We've gone a little bit long. Thank you so much for coming on and helping me out with this podcast, Nick. Uh you can find Nick's work at Nick Herzog SBN on Twitter and at Denver Stiffs, of course. Uh he will have an episode of the dig next week in this time slot mostly. Uh and then after this weekend, you will have an episode of the Pickaxe Podcast show with Zach Mikosh and Gordon Gross. So Zach at Zach Mikosh, thank you so much for coming on and helping us out. Uh, going to be great. Going to be a really, really interesting second half of the season, guys. I am I am looking forward to seeing if this rotation was the norm or an aberration. Because if it's the norm, that's going to be a lot less fun. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week.